Looks pretty awesome, huh? Uh, we're excited for what that will be on Christmas Day as we get to celebrate Jesus on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And thank you for being here. Merry Christmas. Here we go. Good to see you guys. And what a, saving the best for last, 11 a.m., right? Here we are. And um, my name's Taylor, one of the pastors here, and grateful you're with us. Uh, our lead pastor, Pastor Ray, uh, we talked to him yesterday. He asked if I would send uh, his greeting to you this weekend. He is currently down in Southern California uh, with his mom who is passing away. And so uh, it's been, a, if you know a little bit of that story, it's, it's been a tough season for the Armstrong. So be praying for Ray and for Mary and for his brother, Ron, and his uh, brother's wife, Debbie, as they're down in um, Southern California. He wishes he could be here, so he just wanted to say hi. And so um, let's be praying for the Armstrongs. Amen. Uh, these candles over here uh, represent a few things. We're in a series on Advent, and these candles represent love, joy, peace, and hope. And then that center one is the Christ candle. Uh, we, we join in with the tradition of churches that have joined in for a long time of celebrating these four themes during Advent. And I love the symbolic uh, idea of it being a candle. A candle represents uh, fire, which in the scriptures represents God's presence. And so we just have those candles over there. We light each candle each week. And so the hope candle has been uh, sorry, the joy candle has been lit for this morning, last week is hope. And we just can remember God's presence is with us this morning, amen? And as we, as we study the scriptures and learn about joy, everyone say joy. Uh, we're gonna talk about joy this morning. And how many know the kids did a better job uh, showcasing joy than my words probably will even do this morning um, from that? But would you stand to your feet one more time? Uh, we do this at our church uh, as a way, we call it Respect the Word. Uh, to remind ourselves that the teacher is the word of God and the Holy Spirit that uh, I'm blessed to be able to share this morning, but really I'm not the teacher. The Holy Spirit's the teacher inspired by God's word. And so if you're new, by the way, if you're new to our church, thank you for being here. If you're here uh, because of the kids' choir and you're visiting, we just hope you feel at home. Uh, what you see is what you get here. So thank you for coming and being a part of, of Calvary Community Church this morning. Luke chapter two, verse eight through 10. It's a part of the Christmas story that was actually already shared Better than I can share it, but I'm going to read a couple of verses this morning. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 says, that, that night there were shepherds who were staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And then suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of God's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. You and I would be terrified too if an angel just showed up. But I love what the angel does. The angel assured them, reassured them, do not be afraid. For I bring you good news, and I love this, that will bring great joy to all the people. Great joy to all the people. This is what Jesus comes to bring us is joy. Let's pray one more time this morning. Lord, as we open up your scriptures, I pray that we would be increasingly more people of love, joy, peace, and hope. But I know there's a context of stories here. We all have many things going on in our lives, but for these moments, we center ourselves. But I guess my prayer this morning is that you would be proud of what's happening at Calvary Community Church this morning, that you would be proud of, of the scriptures being taught. Lord, that you would look down and smile at us, that as we just give you honor and glory, this is all about you this morning. It's not about anything else except for us reflecting more on your majesty, reflecting more on your glory, reflecting more on the person of Christ who came to come into our world, this world, and show us how much he loves us. And with Christ came joy. And so may we get a glimpse of the joy that comes from Christ this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. 
There's so many things to be joyful about on this Christmas season. I know there's so many traditions, at least in my family, we do the Christmas lights. Uh, in our family, we set up the Christmas tree. In our family, we do uh, a multitude of family Christmases. I don't know about you, there's a few of them at least. Uh, in, our, in our family, there's lots of things to be joyful about, even the Christmas movies, right? And, and you gotta at least watch Elf one time and a few of the other ones that are, that are awesome and the Christmas cookies and all the things to be joyful about in our, in our family. It's been fun because little Liam is, he's 20 months old this year at Christmas. So he's really understanding, at least he's attempting to understand the Christmas stuff. And uh, every Christmas decoration that my wife so beautifully put up has now become a Christmas toy. And um, that's been a new journey for us. Each, each ornament on the Christmas tree is now something to throw. And so we gotta make sure that none of the family ornaments that have been passed down or, you know, this higher, higher, right? They got to make it a little higher. But now he's learning to climb the Christmas tree. So now it's becoming a climbing thing. And so we're, we're experiencing, but how many know it's all just the, the process of, the, of joy, right? You just get to, you get to just watch your son experience Christmas. He, he was, you know, a little bit too young to be on the platform, but he was back there like screaming to be up here during the kids choir um, this morning, which they were phenomenal, by the way, weren't they? They were incredible. And we thank Peggy and all them for putting that on. Uh, I was joking with Peggy before the service. Uh, it took a lot of work. How many know they didn't start that way? <laughs> she, she really worked really hard with them to make that happen. But so much joy uh, in this Christmas season. I think some of you, you think about joy. You think about uh, just sitting at home on the couch, uh, listening to the Mariah Carey Christmas album on repeat with a hot chocolate, looking at the Christmas tree, right? You're like, joy. There's a lot of things that, that bring joy, but... Um, Something happened the other day. How many know not everyone's experiencing maybe the Christmas joy um, per se? And I use that word a little bit lightly uh, when it comes to this year. It, this, the joy of all the things we do and all that stuff. Some of us experience that, but there's also a group of people that are not experiencing that. And this became really evident to me the other day. I was driving from Puyallup to Sumner. You guys know where Mama Sortini's is. And I was driving across the bridge there and was in the left lane and realized I needed to get into the right lane to get into Sumner. So I, I did like any good driver would do. I was like, okay, I got to get over kind of quickly. So I put my blinker on. This is good driving etiquette, right? I want to make sure everyone, I need some affirmation in church this morning. Put my blinker on. Then I tap the brake, which is fairly normal, right? To make sure. Okay, good. <laughs> Making sure. And uh, I got into the right lane and then we like stopped at the stoplight. Now, now, the friend behind me, and if you go to Calvary Community Church, I'm really sorry, uh, but this deserves to be talked about, okay? So the, the, the friend behind me didn't think it was very funny that I tapped on my brake. And so I'm here, just kind of minding my own business. I look over, and he's like trying to get my attention. Well, he gives me the number one, if you know what I'm saying. Like he's like, you're number one this Christmas season. I'm like, okay, thank you. And then uh, we go to start going, and he doesn't just give me a single number one, he gives me a double number one. One, one through the sunroof and one through the driver's window. <laughs> I, I kid you not. And uh, I'm like, how is he driving? And to make all things better, to make all things better, his wife or girlfriend, whoever's in the passenger seat, she also gives me the double number one. So I was four for four uh, when that, I was like, feeling really, and like, what do you do in that moment? You're like smiling and waving. I don't know, like, right? Like, um, but like, and it was just a reminder. I was like, how many can relate with all, all it takes is a little tap on the brake and someone just gets fired up just like that. Have you been there before? <laughs> I've been there. Moments where 
All it takes is just like the littlest thing and your joy isn't there. Steals and robs your joy. Many people are not experiencing joy this Christmas season. Maybe it's for circumstantial things or maybe it is just for whatever reason. But I, I believe that there is a joy in the midst of all the things that we go to that we can root ourselves in Christ that is not dependent on anything else that happens in the world. And I, and I think so many people, they aren't just experiencing joy. I think what's actually worse is people that have a fake joy. I think what's actually worse is not just someone, like, at least someone's real about where they're at. Like sometimes there's, it's almost worse when there's a, when there's a fake joy. In fact, uh, I, wrote, I wrote down a few, few things. I think the, the first one's, many people try and, they try and show a manufactured joy. This is what I'd call a fake joy. This is the fake it till you make it joy. This is like on the way to Christmas, you're going to someone's house and you look at your spouse and you're like, you're going to be in a good mood today. <laughs> like this is, you're gonna smile, you're gonna laugh at the jokes that aren't funny, you're gonna do the things and it's this manufactured joy. We put, our, we put this pressure on ourselves to, to, to exude the joy that we might not even be feeling on the inside, but we try and put a smile on our face. May it not be so with Christ followers that we have manufactured joy. There's material joy. This is the joy that we think that just by that one more purchase or that one more experience, that one more thing, we live from purchase to purchase, experience to experience, trying to purchase joy for ourselves. Like so many of us spend our lives trying to say, what will be the thing that will make me most happy? And we buy something, only finding that it will make us happy for a little bit, but how many know it fades away just like everything else? There's manufactured joy, material joy. Then there's, there's momentary joy. Did you know that the most, one of the most depressing times in our country, psychologists have been doing studies on this, is January. It's because we spend so much time in the holidays manufacturing and getting this momentary type joy and then January hits and it's back to reality. And many people, they hit this, they hit this low in their life and that's a, that's a momentary joy. How many know with, as Christ followers, our joy does not need to be rooted in any of those things? In fact, this is why Christmas and Advent is so important because I think it reminds us of these themes and these things. A few things just talking about maybe the difference between secular happiness and real God-centered joy. Here, here's a couple of things. The first one is this. Secular happiness, it's, it's self-focused, but godly joy is others-focused. Now, I, I wanna just, and I wish I could teach more on this. Happiness in and of itself is not a bad thing, amen? But how many know happiness is not God's end goal for our spiritual lives? God's end goal is joy, and we'd have joy. And joy is, it's looking to God, and then it's looking to others. Happiness is just about how I can be happy. Go to the next, number two. Uh, difference between happiness and joy. It's coming, wait for it. <laughs> Secular happiness is about getting things and getting status. But joy is about what? Giving. It's about giving. In fact, Jesus says it this way. He, in the book of Acts, he quotes something that was said in the gospel. He says, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Isn't that a beautiful reality? Haven't you felt that before in your life? In this Christmas season, there's so much, so much more joy in watching someone get, open a gift that you got them than it is receiving a gift yourself sometimes, right? It's the, it's the idea of joy is more about giving than it is receiving. Here's the third thing. Secular happiness comes when all the circumstances are in order and godly joy is trusting that he will work out all the circumstances. How many know there's very few times in our lives when all the circumstances align? 
Most of the time, we think it's all gonna go one way and how many know it goes another way? But at the end of the day, God is so faithful to, as we trust him to work all the circumstances out for his glory and for our good. That's joy. That's joy. In fact, I love what, I love what Kay Warren says. Kay Warren, in her definition of joy, she says this. Joy is the settled assurance. I love this. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. It's the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is gonna be all right and the determined choice to praise God in all things. Amen. I love some of the phrases in there. Settled assurance. He's in control of my life. Everything's gonna be all right. In summary, just talking about biblical joy, I think godly joy, it's rooted at such a soul level in our lives, and get this today, that only Christ can give it. There, there, are, there are things in our life that the world can attempt to give, but there are soul voids in our lives that God has built us that only he can fulfill. And joy is one of those things. Are you with me this morning? And this is the beautiful thing. Because it's a well that Christ is digging in your spiritual soul, you'll never reach the end of it. It's, it's joy that just begins to be every year. I hope, that, I hope that every year I have a little bit more joy. Why? Because it's, it's Christ who's giving me the joy. And on this side of eternity, I'll understand a part of joy. And on the other side of eternity, I'll understand joy in full. But every year, how about you? Every year, I want to be a little bit more joyful. Every year, I want to be a little bit more a person of peace. And the beauty of it, because it's at such a soul level, things can happen circumstantially, but they can't take away the soul level joy. This is why things like joy and sorrow can coexist. Because it's so deep. It's at such a soul level. Level, but here's also what I know. God wants to give you, and God wants to, He wants to birth this joy in you. This is the beauty of Christmas that it was good news for all people that would bring great joy. God wants to bring joy to your life. But also, what I believe is that we have a very real enemy that does not want you to experience the joy that God has for you. His number one task is to confuse you, His number one task is to get your life all chaotic and crazy so that you'll just experience a superficial joy. See, that's what the enemy does. He won't, take joy, he won't attempt to bring joy totally out of your life. He'll just want you to just experience a little bit of joy and you'll feel semi-content in that. But how many know God has so much more for you than that? He wants you to experience the fullness of joy in Christ. So here's some of the ways the enemy will attempt to steal the joy from your life. Here's the first one. The enemy will attempt to steal the joy from your life through comparison. Have you felt this one before? I know, I know in my life I have. There, there's this phrase, and you've probably heard it, but the th- but the thief, but comparison is the thief of all joy. Comparison is the thief of all kinds of joy. I know it's, I, I, we've said this before, but it's just worth repeating. Social media is not always real. Can we disagree with that? So many of us, we, we look at our lives and look at someone's highlight reel of their lives and their life obviously doesn't have any problems. They have no marriage problems in their life and their kids are always perfect. I mean, look at the Christmas card. It's always perfect, right? And look at, Look at everything that goes on. They seem to have this perfect life. But how many know we're comparing the very real thing of our life to the highlight reel of their life? And how many know that's comparison? And it'll steal your joy. And, and this is also what I know. If you're so busy looking at someone else's life and mimicking their life, you'll never step into what God has for you. If you are just so busy looking and trying to mimic, God didn't create you to be a mimic. He didn't create you just to try and 
copy and paste someone else's life or to try and, no, 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 you, you, are, you are created by God. The Bible says that there is no person that's been created the this, this same. We are all unique in God's fingerprint and God's handyprint. How many know this is good news and this is joy this morning? That God's, that's, God's created you uniquely with the gifts that you have and with the, with the blessings that you have and the resources you have and your personality and all the things that you have and you have to offer this world. He, he, he wants you to step into that for you. And how many you know we're all better when we all step into the things that are for us to step into? We step into who Taylor Ford's called to be and you step into who you're called to be. The body of Christ is stronger. We're stronger together. But comparison can be a thief of all joy. Comparing our lives all the time. So who's God called you to be? And step into that. Here's the second thing the enemy will do to try and steal your joy. He'll, he'll try and use greed. Greed. Now, I don't have a lot of time to talk about this, but greed is when you make life all about you. Greed is when it's all just about you attaining and building your life and not thinking about your family, your legacy, the, the, the kingdom of God. Greed is just me, 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 me. But God says joy is others, 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 others. Does this make sense? Enemy will use greed. The third, the third one is this. The enemy will use anxiety and fear. Now, this could be a whole message in and of itself, but... I love when the angel showed up to, to the narrative scene and they have fear. Like we would all have fear if an angel just showed up here. We'd be like, what is going on right now? But what does the angel say? Don't worry, it's gonna be okay. Don't worry, it's gonna be okay. Why? Because it's tough for joy and it's tough for fear to coexist. Fear and joy sometimes can be at ends. And I'm gonna talk a little bit later about how we can defeat fear in our life. Here's, here's the last one. Coming up, complacency. Complacency. What's complacency? Complacency is just sitting and letting things kind of happen to you. How many know if you just kind of let life happen, that could be one of the things the enemy says. When you get too comfortable in your life and the enemy will help you reminded of, oh, you just need to stay comfortable. Don't do this, don't do that. And when you get too comfortable in life, you'll forget your purpose. And I believe that passion comes from purpose. And so when you're just, when you're just sitting back, letting life happen, all of a sudden you will just go through life and you'll be complacent. And complacent is a, complacency is a stealer of joy this morning. But how many know when you step towards your purpose, step towards what God's calling you to do, there'll be a passion that will come from your life when you realize God's purpose and you will start living into it. And then a joy will come to your life. I wonder if the enemy has attempted to steal some joy from people in this room. I wonder through, through comparison or through greed or through anxiety or fear or through complacency, you're sitting here and the enemy has just been trying to steal and steal and steal and steal. And I declare this morning at Calvary Community Church, there's gonna be a group of people that are gonna leave and say the enemy has no foothold or stronghold in my life to steal the joy that God can give me because no one can steal the joy that God's given me. It is through Jesus Christ and comes in my life. And I believe, I believe the book of Philippians shows us a model, shows us a model of how we can experience joy. If you wanna do a deep dive into joy, if you wanna do a deep dive into what true biblical joy is, I would say this week, spend uh, the week studying the book of Philippians. It, just take a chapter a day and you'll see the themes of joy and rejoicing all throughout the book of Philippians. But Paul in the book of Philippians, he's writing a letter to the church of Philippi and he's writing about some of his reflections of what he's learned from them. And at the end of this letter, he shares this little secret of wisdom and of knowledge that I believe is actually the secret of wisdom of knowledge for you to experience true joy in your life. And what, what Paul comes to realize through it all is that the way you find true biblical godly joy in the midst of all the pressures, in the midst of all the things that the enemy is trying to steal from you, the way you truly experience it is this very simple word, but really hard to live out, 
and it's contentment. It's contentment. Paul, we're gonna read Paul, give us some examples of how to live into contentment. What's contentment? I think contentment is like that settled assurance that Kay Warren talked about. If I could just summarize contentment this morning, it would just be a, a settled assurance to your life. If you want to experience joy in your life, you need to learn contentment. You need to learn contentment. This is what Paul says in Philippians chapter four. I'm gonna read uh, in the next few minutes. We're gonna read about 10 verses from Philippians chapter four, but here's two of them. He says, I rejoiced greatly. That's joy. I rejoice greatly. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned. I love this. I've learned. That's something he's learned. I learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know that what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. And but what's he say? I've learned the secret of being content. That's contentment in any every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul learned the secret of the settled assurance, whether he was hungry, whether he was thirsty, whether he had a lot or didn't have a lot. And this is what he learned. In other words, the first thing, if you wanna have contentment in your life, contentment is best learned through the teacher called life. Contentment is best learned through the teacher called life. In fact, you might be here and say, Taylor, how do I learn contentment? Maybe the easiest way is like, just like be honest with your life. <laughs> be honest with the things that come at you. Like I think sometimes uh, as, as Christ followers, and I am so guilty of this, so as I speak it, don't, don't think that I'm not guilty of this. We try to avoid the hard things in our lives. We try to be avoiders. And I believe one of the ways we learn contentment is by just embracing the difficult things. How many know the way God mainly teaches us the important truths in our life is not always through the easy things, it's through the hard things. God builds character in our lives when we go through the hard things and we just let the hard things and we just embrace them. That's what Paul says. He's like, I've just learned contentment in the midst of it all and knowing that in the midst of the hard things, God is still good and he's still enough and Christ is still sufficient and I still have joy. That's contentment knowing that things didn't come at me. So many people are so worried about their comfort. God is way less concerned about your comfort and way more about your character. And how does God build your character? He builds your character through difficult things, through things that stretch you, the things that are hard. And so how do you learn contentment? You just say, all right, life, bring on what you're gonna bring on to me. How many know you can't really avoid that truly anyway? <laughs> but you just take, a, you take the perspective of saying, I'm just, gonna, I'm, I'm just going to be faithful. God's way more concerned about you being faithful than you just, than you just looking towards the next thing. You be faithful in this season. You, you learn the things you need to learn. You trust God in the midst of it. You say, I'm content. And then life begins to be the best learner to say, I could be content in all things. So contentment is best learned through this teacher. It's called life. It's living in the moment each day. How many know God wants to teach you things in the moment each day? Like God is, God is so intricately connected in your life. And if you'll just look up a little bit, you'll see that he's faithful in all those things. There's such a simplicity and a beautiful joy that comes to our life when we live in the day, we live in the moment. We don't try and idealize what a future thing will look like. We say, God, teach me what you wanna teach me through this life circumstance today. That's what contentment is best learned through this teacher called life. And contentment number two is possible when Christ is your strength. This is what Paul learns. Philippians 4.13, you've, you've maybe heard this 
on a football game or wherever, but this is what he says right after that verse I just read, this is what he says. He says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. What a great reminder this morning. I can be content. I can be settled in this assurance because I can step into all things because Christ who gives me strength. I think sometimes we idealize this verse as something that it's not meant to be. But at the core of this verse, it's like, you have the settled assurance of contentment in Christ. I know I'm gonna be okay. I can, do, I can step into all things. I can be faithful in all things because it's Christ who gives me strength. I love what it says in Nehemiah chapter eight, verse 10. Nehemiah says this, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy is your strength. And you might be here this week and you're like, Taylor, this all sounds good. Joy sounds great. This is awesome. Christ is my strength. How do I actually experience it? Well, let me give you maybe a tool. There's a lot of things I could share, but maybe, maybe this is a tool for you of how to experience Christ as your strength and how to find true joy. And I think it's found when you get into God's presence through worship. I think you truly experience the, the strength that comes from Christ and in turn the joy that comes from Christ when you get into God's presence through worship. I love what it says in Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. And please see this. I think this is so important this morning. You make known to me the path of life and in your presence, catch that, in your presence there is a fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. I talked to you about one of the ways that we fight fear. I wanna, here's, here's how you fight fear. You fight fear and anxiety with worship. I, I love what we sang that this song this morning. That, um, if you put me in the fire, what did, we, what did we sing? I'll rejoice because you're there too. <laughs> this is joy. You put me in the fire, don't worry, I'm gonna sing my way through this. I'm gonna worship my way through this. Worship is a weapon in our lives that God has given us to fight fear, to fight worry, to fight anxiety. And I just, I just promise you, if you spend some intentional moments, not just on a weekend service, though this is powerful when we come together and sing corporately, if you spend some time in individual worship before God and get in his presence, and maybe you put on a worship song, or maybe you just sit and you pray, but it's just this, it's the simple, it's the centered worship. I believe there will be this contentment that comes to your life that you will find strength that you've never found before because it's Christ putting his strength in you. Worship. In this presence, there's fullness of joy. Church, we've got to be worshiping people. Say, I'm going to rejoice even if I go through the fire, and I'm going to find contentment in the midst of it. Here's the last thing this, this weekend. So what have we said? Contentment is best learned through the teacher called life. Contentment is possible in Christ is your strength. Here's the last thing. Contentment is best modeled in a giving and a receiving lifestyle. In a giving and receiving lifestyle. Check it out what Paul says in Philippians 4 verse 15. He says, Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. Pause right there, stay, stay with me. In other words, what Paul's saying is, I went out to go be a missionary and I went to all these places and no one gave me financial support or encouragement except for you, church in Philippi. You were so faithful to, to provide financially for me, he says. Verse 16, for the, when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid. Verse 17, not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. For I have received full payment and I have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I've received, I hope you see over and over, there's these words, giving and receiving. I have received from Ephroditus, I think that's how you say it, be a great name for your next kid, the gifts you sent, 
They are sent a fragment offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. Verse 19, and this is a, this is a promise from God. And my God will supply all your needs according to the riches of glory in Christ Jesus. What's he saying? When you understand this concept of receiving and then giving, receiving and then giving, receiving and then giving, you will always have enough. My God will always supply all of your needs. This is the promise of scripture. And this is what Paul learned. Paul said, you learn contentment by, by knowing and understanding that everything God's given you, your wisdom, your personality, your gifts, your, your strengths, your resources, the, the material things you have, all of them are a gift from God. So you say, God, you've given me these things. And as I have freely received, I freely give. What a joy gospel partnership together brings us. What joy and contentment it means when we say, my life is way more than just fulfilling a certain thing. My life is about the kingdom, and that's joy. My life is about being a part of a group of people that are bringing kingdom values forward, that are saying, this life is not just about me. This life is about me living in the, in the context of community. This life is not just about me. It's not just this insular thing where I try and figure it out on my own. No, no. I need to be vulnerable to the places that I'm broken and I'm weak so that other people can help bring Christ's strength into my life. I need to be moments where I share the needs of my life so other people can come along and decide. In other words, I live my life open-handed saying, the good, the bad, the ugly, I'm sorry, but here it is. What you get is what you see. And at the end of the day, I'm content. Because when I can offer you strengths and you can offer me strengths, we learn this giving and receiving lifestyle, joy. Why? Because we weren't meant to be, we were not built. You were not designed. When God spent all this intentional time building your DNA and the fabric of who you are, he's like, that person, that son or daughter will live best when they live in, in reliance upon other people in the body of Christ. That's how he built you. That's how he wanted us to live. Unfortunately, most of us are terrified of vulnerability. We're, we're, we're committed to maintaining independence. And I just want to tell you, if you want to receive True contentment in your life, learn giving and receiving. You giving up of your life to another and you receiving a life of another person, this beautiful context of community. And you know what will happen? Yes, that's the right directions. <laughs> that's the right route to find joy. You know what? You'll get gratitude. When you have giving and receiving, you'll have such a deep gratitude in your life. I'm so thankful for Jesus Christ. How about you? I'm so thankful. I love that these candles of Advent are near the cross. Because the Bible says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I'm so thankful for salvation. How about you? That when Christ entered into our world, he said, I bring great joy for you. Church, where has the enemy tried to steal joy from you? Where has the enemy tried to rob joy from you? May it be so that God looks at a group of people at Calvary Community Church and we learn the power, and it's powerful, the power of contentment, the power of living with open hands, the power of finding Christ as our strength, the power of allowing life circumstances to be the best teacher for us to find true sufficiency in Christ. Maybe so. May, may what David prays in Psalm 51 May this be our prayer this morning as I close. Restore to me the joy. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant a willing spirit to sustain me. Whose joy needs to be restored this morning? Oh, God can restore it.
just takes a moment in his presence. We're gonna worship him just to say, it takes a moment in his presence saying, God, restore my joy, restore my joy. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that as, as, we, as we reflect on Advent, it's about your first coming, but it's also about us reflecting on your second coming. It's this idea of, of, this, of this incredible rejoicing in Christ. God calls you to be content. You know, this is not just an idea. This is what God calls you to be. And this, this is a hard truth to understand. Let me rephrase. Not a hard truth to understand. It's a hard truth to hear. So I'm saying it prefacing you. You only believe the parts of the Bible that you actually live out. So you believe in forgiveness. Well, if you don't live as a person of forgiveness, you don't believe it, you don't believe it with your heart. If you believe the Bible speaks to be a person of unity, but you're a person of gossip, you don't actually believe in unity. If you believe that the Bible has a way of, of teaching us how to use our finances, yet you don't give or trust God with your finances, you don't actually believe in God's ways of giving. It's a tough reality. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just up here saying, this is like me too. We only believe the parts of the Bible that we actually live out each and every day. Right? And so may it be so with contentment, we believe this and we actually live it with our lives each and every day and watch the joy that will come to us. The team's gonna sing a song. It's a, old, it's a, it's a rendition of a song uh, called It Is Well. It's a, it's, a, it's a hymn. And it's a beautiful rendition of that song. You may or may not know the song is written by a, a lawyer from Chicago in the 1800s. And in the span of a number of years, he lost his son, his four-year-old son, to a sickness. He lost his practice to the Chicago fire, lost it all. And he sent his four daughters and his wife on a trip to Europe, which he couldn't go because he had to stay back and rebuild his practice. He sent them on a trip to Europe in which the, the boat crashed and he lost his four daughters and his wife survived, but he lost his four daughters all in a matter of a number of years. His son, his business, and his daughters. And he went on a boat to go, to go and see his wife after hearing of the news of losing his, his daughters. And he gets to about the place, the story says, of where, where his daughter's boat was shipwrecked. And the Holy Spirit implants these words in his heart. It is well, it is well with my soul. Wow, what does this mean? Joy. It could be well with your soul this morning. At the deep soul level, no one else can take that away. So as we sing this, may we sing it in rejoicing to God that it's well with your soul even in the midst of it all. And may we sing it in faith for other people that need to hear it. And may we sing it in thankfulness and gratitude for God. It is well with my soul because of Jesus Christ who came and brought joy. Amen. Let's stand and sing. I'll come up and pray at the end of it.